Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today. Today, I'm really excited to start a new series as we continue on in our study of the book of Psalms. Let me start by asking this question, how many want to live a blessed life? Raise your hand if you want to live a blessed life. Even at home, raise your hand right now if you want to live a blessed life. Praise the Lord. Everybody raise their hand, but two of you, and we'll pray for you afterwards. We'll pray for you afterwards. But just about everybody wants to live a blessed life. The question is simply how? And part of what we've been driving home, and you're going to see this today, it is in the connection we have to Christ and to our spiritual family that we experience the blessed life. For a moment, I want you to think about some of the highlight moments of your life. Just for a moment, let's take a trip down memory lane and think about some of the watershed highlight moments of your life. Maybe it was your high school graduation. Go back to those bad hair days and just remember that for just a moment. Or maybe it was your college graduation, or maybe it was your wedding day, or your baby, first baby being born, or or maybe it was your baptism. What do you remember about those days? What's the common thread? Where if you were to ask me what the common thread of the highlight watershed moments of my life have been, I would surmise it in one word, and that is family. Family. All of those events were special, but what, what enlivened them, what made them so memorable, what marked them was the fact that I was surrounded by people I love. I think about what those moments meant with my family by my side and what those moments would have felt like if my family was not there. And yes, I have experienced some f- special moments when family could not, have, could not be there, and some of you have been through that as well, and there's a, there's a sense that dampens that moment because family is not there. Family is a blessing. Now, if your family is anything like mine, what holds us together is this. What holds us together and keeps us united is our willingness to gather together when we can so that we can stay close when we can't. You know, there are certain seasons where you won't be able to gather with your family. Maybe it's because you or someone else has moved away to a different town or to a different state. Or maybe it's because you're in a busy season of work and you just can't connect like you normally would. We've all been through busy seasons. Or maybe it's like right now during a health season where you can't connect like you would desire to. But we all know what that's like. But what keeps us strong when we can't connect is our intentionality of connecting when we can. Now my family, I come from a big family, and there's two ways that our family connects. There's, there's the large connections, the large gatherings, what we would call family reunions, and then there's smaller gatherings. Now, my wife has, her family has a family reunion every other year. How many have been to a good family reunion in your life? How many have been to a good family? I should have just said how many have been to a family reunion because some of you would have raised your hand. It wasn't good, but you were there. Right? But, but our family reunions are really good. And it, here's the way it works in, in my wife's family is that she has family that's all over the country, some on the West Coast, some on the East, some in the South, some in the Midwest. But they'll pick a city that's significant to their family, and they'll all plan to converge there for about three days. And during this time, family come from all around to have activities together, to celebrate the goodness of God since they last were together, to have 
have worship together, fun, singing, all of it. And those are a wonderful three days every uh, couple years, periodically. And those are powerful and they keep us connected in one way. But we've supplemented those large family, family reunion gatherings with those smaller gatherings. So one of the things that my wife and I have done pre-COVID in, in particular is we usually will host a family meal on a Sunday at our house. Once a month, we'll invite our brothers and their spouses and, and children. And, and uh, we got a big family, so picture one house, uh, 11 adults and about 15, 16 kids and growing. And we're all gathered together. It's loud, it's messy, it's noisy, but it's, it's the stuff that family is made of. And we process through life together and dream big together. And ideas have been birthed there and businesses and mission. And we think about how to serve God together. And this is the glue that keeps us together when we can't be together. Why do I bring all of this up? It's because during the duration of the summer, as we study through the Psalms, this, my friends, is the point we've been trying to drive home, is how important it is that we're intentional about gathering together with the family of God. The book of Hebrews tells us, let's not forsake that. Now, these large Sunday gatherings are like the big family reunion. It really is. You should be waving at people across the aisleways or, or saying hello in that comment section because you are family and this is where we get together and just remind ourselves that God has been good and he's kept us yet another week. How many are grateful that he has kept us yet another week and we're able to gather together either online or in person today? So those are the large group gatherings, but now we get a chance to go into a new series about life groups, these small group gatherings. And I want you to join me in Psalm 133. In Psalm 133, we see this Psalm of David, and it's entitled a Psalm, or rather a Song of Ascents. Now, what is a Song of Ascents? There were three times a year when Israel would have their big family reunions. Three times when God had commanded them in the book of Deuteronomy that they were to gather together for a corporate celebration, no matter where they were at all over the world, they were to gather together in Jerusalem. It was a time of Passover, Pentecost, and the feast or celebration of booths, three times a year. And during these gatherings, they would just remind themselves that they were the people of God who have been brought out of bondage uh, in slavery in Egypt by the mighty hand of God, and they will renew their commitment to the covenant of God. And what they would do is sing songs as they made their ascent up to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was at a high point in Israel. They were, uh, Israel, uh, Jerusalem in particular, is on a, on a hill. It's elevated. And so as they walked up the road of, uh, to Jerusalem, they were literally ascending. And what would happen is individual families would begin to sing these songs. But as they got closer to Jerusalem, other families would join in. And, and by the time they reached Jerusalem, there's this big throng of people singing these songs to the Lord, celebrating His goodness. Well, what does Psalm 133 celebrate? Well, it celebrates the gift of spiritual unity. Listen to these words and imagine these lyrics as they sang this song. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. 
Now, these are powerful and poetic words, beautifully structured, but we lose the emphasis in some ways because of cultural distance, because of distance in time. We may not be able to relate to the word picture that's being painted here, but here's the thing that David wants us to know. Here's the thing that God wants us to know. There is a blessing that comes with gathering together with the people of God. Now, all of you raised your hand when I asked the setup question, how many want a blessed life? Well, I want to tell you what David told Israel, that there's a blessing that comes when we are united together with our spiritual family. You know, we all want unity. This is why we love sports so much. We love being a part of a fan base. We love being a part of other people who are rooting for the same team. Imagine Saturday mornings at the big house if you're a, a U of M fan. Imagine going there 100,000 plus strong and seeing that ocean of amazing blue as you root for your team. Or if you're a Spartan fan, imagine March in the Breslin Center as we go to yet another Final Four. And the church said, amen. And, and that ocean of, uh, of, of green and white and, uh, and how beautiful that looks, right? And we, we love sports for that reason, baseball, football, hockey, whatever it is. But what I want you to know is that there's something greater than fandom. There's something greater than just unity around sports. There is unity as a spiritual family. And again, the church said, amen. And I want to show you why it's greater. There's, there's this blessing that God promises. We'll get to the blessing in just a moment. But first, he wants us to celebrate the spiritual unity, and there's three ways we can do it. The first way we do it is to literally come in the family. You can't celebrate what you're not a part of. You, you got to become a part of the family. Look at verse number one. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers, everybody say that word, brothers, dwell in unity. Now, now, what word does David start the song off with? He starts the song off with the word, behold. Behold. It is as if David is saying, stop. Stop what you're doing. Imagine David with the throngs of people going up on either uh, Passover or Pentecost or the Feast of Booths, and they're all marching up the hill to Jerusalem, and he just stops for a moment, and he sees this beautiful mosaic of the Jewish family from all regions of the world and backgrounds and persuasions, but the one thing that unites them is the fact that they are the people of God, and they're singing these amazing songs of ascent. And David says, behold, stop, pay attention, soak it all in. What a beautiful sight. And that's what should happen to us when we come together. This is why our hearts should yearn to be in the house of God with the people of God, to be able to just stop and behold the beauty of us worshiping together. And that can be experienced, not just in large group, but how many have ever been in a small group setting and worshiped the Lord and experienced the beauty of that? Anybody experienced the beauty of that with some friends, some people who love you and are close to you intimately, and you're just studying God's Word or worshiping the Lord together? There is such a beauty there. And he says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers, that's the point, when brothers, those who are a part of the family, and in our case, those who have accepted Jesus' offer to be a part of the family. Now, there's a lot of people who haven't accepted their offer yet, and maybe it's because you feel unworthy of it. 
You know, I've been watching this docu-series on the life of Jesus. It's blown me away. It was produced by uh, Dallas Jenkins called The Chosen. Has anybody seen that? The Chosen? Some of you have watched that. To me, it's the, it's the greatest uh, docu-series on the life of Jesus that I've ever seen, right? And so take it for what it's worth. But every time I watch it, I'm blown away at the beauty of it. But I'm also blown away at how Jesus chose the most unlikely candidates. None of the apostles, not, not James or John, not, not Peter, definitely like not Matthew or Levi. None of them were people you would have said, hey, that's the one I would have on my team. I don't want you to think that somehow you have to measure up to some standard of spirituality in order for God to accept you. His grace is extended to all. And how many thank God that it is? How many can say, I'm one of those unlikely candidates that he has chosen, and that should change the way we see the world and other unlikely candidates. Here's the thing, my friends, you can be a part of the brotherhood. You can be a part of the family. Behold, it's available to you now by putting your faith and trust in in Jesus. He is the doorway. Calvary made a way possible for us to join the family of God. But notice what he describes when we gather together. What is it like? It is good and pleasant. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. Now, very rarely do those two words come together in the same thing. There are times when something is good or healthy for you, but it's not necessarily pleasant or enjoyable. There are other times when something is pleasant, it's enjoyable, but it's not necessarily good for you. Think of food for just a moment. I mean, no, there's a lot of times when what's good for you doesn't necessarily uh, taste good. Right? There's a lot of times when what tastes good is not necessarily good for you. It's just like in between services, the 8 and 10 a.m. this, this morning, our, uh, our creative arts team, they tempted me with a donut. They knew I didn't want that donut. They knew I didn't want it, but they tempted me and I fell into temptation. That donut was good. It felt pleasant. But I will tell you right now, the truth of the matter is, though it tasted pleasant, it wasn't good for me. Don't worry, I'll go out and do some stairs later today. But it was not good for me. And this is how it is with food. So often it, you have to choose either it's going to be good for me and not taste that great, or it's going to be uh, pleasant and enjoyable, but not really be good for me. How many love a good pizza or a burger every now and again? All right. Now, earlier this week, my wife was cooking and it was Brussels sprouts night. And uh, when I came through the house and saw it, I wanted to turn around. She said, no way. You're not, you're not released. Right. And here's the thing. She cares about her husband, wants me to live a long life. Praise God for that. But what, what David is saying is you don't have to choose between good or pleasant when it comes to, to the people of God. When you gather together in groups, in our, in our life groups, when you're around other believers, when you're connected in assembly with the people of God, it is both good and pleasant. How many praise God for that truth? So we need to come into the family. And here's the thing, though, if you want the blessing, you have to not only join the family, but you have to dwell with the family. Notice what it says, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell, dwell. That means that you can't just join the family and say, I'll see you when you get to heaven. No, we have to dwell among one another. 
And what should happen when we dwell among one another? Well, the second thing that we should do to celebrate spiritual unity is to come with harmony. We should come together with harmony. Notice what it says. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Now, I want you to think about how um, radical this thought was. Unity was just as elusive for their day as it is for our day. When you read this word unity, it's hard not to be cynical. Living in the 21st century, living in America, in the Western culture, I mean, where do you find unity? Families are divided. Marriages are ending in divorce and mass. Our, our country should be the United States of America. It feels more like the divided states of America. Racially, there's disunity. Ethnically, there's disunity. Generationally. But the people of God have always been called to be a countercultural assembly. A place where the things that you don't see out there, you do see in here. And what we should see when we gather together is a unity that others don't see in anywhere else in our culture. Now, what unites us? What united them? Surely it wasn't the fact that they had all the same political philosophies. Surely it wasn't the fact that they all shared the same geography or the same tastes or preferences or likes. No, that wasn't what united them. You want to know what united them? Turn with me, leave your finger there. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6, verse number 7, shows us what united them. And here's the promise of God in Exodus chapter 6, verse number 7. He says, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. This is what made them united. It was the fact that they were the people of God. No matter what their differences were, here's what they knew is that what was transcended over their differences, what united them that was greater than their differences was the fact that they were spiritual family. They were the chosen people of God. How many know that what Jesus did on that cross is greater than anything that divides us on earth? How many believe that with all of your heart? That what he did on that cross is greater than our political philosophies, it's greater than our geographies. It's greater even than our ethnicities. All those things are a footnote to the primary defining factor of who we are. And if anyone asks you your identity, the first thing you should say is, I am in Christ. Let's look at one more passage of Scripture. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, because I think the Old Testament looks forward to something that was promised, and that was that the Messiah was going to come, and what they couldn't fully see was that Jesus was going to make us family, not externally, not because of heritage, hereditary inheritance biologically, but in the heart. He was going to transform us. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Notice, the Bible doesn't water down that there's hostility among humanity. Wherever you find humans, there will be hostility. You get two babies and one toy, and you see that the doctrine of sin is real. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that might create, that, that he might create rather, in himself one new man. That's the point. One new man in place of the two. So making peace. 
and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. There it is again. And he came and preached peace uh, to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Here is the gospel part that we often miss. What we often miss when we preach the gospel is come to Jesus so that you can be made right with God and we stop there. And yes, when you accept Jesus, you get a Messiah, you get a relationship with God, but that's not all you get because if I'm reading Paul right, you also get a spiritual family. You also get reconciled with other believers and brought into a community, a family that is good and pleasant. And it's better than sports. You know, here's the thing. I love my teams when they are winning, but you know the worst time to be a fan is when you're losing and you're in a rebuilding season and you're like, man, this stinks. When can we stop this training, pick up next season? But you know what's sweet about being a part of a spiritual family is even the losses are beautiful because that's when we're at our best, when we're going through painful moments and, and the people in our spiritual family rally around us. I've been through some things where I say to myself, I don't know how I'm going to make it through. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to survive this. Has anybody ever been there before? Where you've been in a, in a valley or a moment or a situation and you're wondering, how am I going to make it through? If you haven't been there, just live long enough and you will get there. And praise God for how the people of God rally around to show the love of Jesus Christ, turning a valley moment into a, pla a place of rejoicing and praise. How many thank God for being a part of the family of God? Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And then the third point is that we need to come be refreshed. This is how we celebrate. Look at verses two and three. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down the collar of his robe, robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. There's the blessing. The blessing is life forevermore, but sandwiched in between that are these two word pictures that we get confused when we read about. What is this oil and what is this beard and Aaron's robe? What is that all about? Let's talk about that for just a moment. The oil is the anointing oil of the Old Testament. The anointing oil was this special uh, formula of spices that were consecrated, that were commanded by God to Moses to put together to be used in religious functions in order to represent two things, the presence of God and the consecration of the thing it was put on. When it was put on something, it consecrated, it set it apart for a special work, for a special use. And so one of the ways that uh, Moses used it in the Old Testament is he poured this oil, and it would have had a sweet aroma, he poured this oil on Aaron, who was the first priest of Israel. Keep your finger there again, go to Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 8. Now Leviticus is the third book in your Bible, so you shouldn't get lost. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Look at chapter 8 and look at verses 10 through 12. Look, then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it. 
and consecrated them. And he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all of its utensils and the basin and its stand to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil, here it is, on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Another part of this story is in uh, Exodus 29. It says that he poured it on him apparently so thick that it ran down his head, his beard, to his collar. The smell would have filled the whole place where they were. And that smell would have signified something to them. Here's what it would have signified. We have a priest now. Now, why is that important? It's because the priest represented the people to God. When the people sinned, it was the priest that went with sacrifices to reconcile the relationship and restore favor back to the people of God. So they would have heard when their nostrils got that smell, they would have heard, man, we have a priest and that priest is going to reconcile us to God and restore favor back. Well, if they rejoiced over that, how much more should you and I rejoice over the fact that we don't just have a priest, we have the high priest who has ascended into heaven and made reconciliation for our sins and those those of us that are in Christ know this, he has died once and for all, and we have favor now and forevermore with God. And how many praise God that we have a priest. And part of the reason why we gather together is to remind one another of that. We in spiritual family, my wife has this saying to our kids, right, that our house should be the place where you fail. It should be the place where you blow it. It should be the place where you mess up. Homes are for practice before you go out to the real world, right? So we don't want to create such an atmosphere in our home that our kids can't fail, they can't mess up, they can't blow it. This is where you blow it and you're still going to be loved. This is family, right? And it should be like that in the church. It should be a place of restoration. And yes, there has to be accountability. Without accountability, you can't grow. But that accountability... Is only to reinforce the goal. The goal is to restore you back into favor with God and to remind you that you may have fallen, brother, sister, but you're still loved and that you have a priest who died for you so that you can be in favor with God. But it's one thing to think about what that smell would have signified in their nostrils. But what does the anointing signify in the nostrils of God? What it would have signified is they have a priest and I have a people. When we gather together in big assemblies like this, the family reunion on Sunday mornings or in life groups, God looks and says, there is my people. And it says at the end of verse three, and it's there that he commands the blessing. It's the blessing comes not when you're a lone ranger, not when you're a free agent, not when you're doing your own thing, but when you're with the people of God and he looks and says, there's my people, that's the blessing. I've run out of time, but let me just deal with this last illustration. It is like the dew of, of Hermon 
which falls on the mountains of Zion. What does this do of Hermon? Hermon is the highest point in Israel. You can see Mount Hermon from 120 miles away. It's also a high point for precipitation. There's about 60 inches of precipitation a year. It is often snow-capped and there's rain. And when that melts, it is the main supply for the River Jordan. And Israel planted its people here because their vegetation could grow and animals could be there and refreshing could come and and people could experience life. Now think about what that means in the Middle East where so often the days are dry and hot. Now use this analogy like David did. Life is often dry and hot and you're going through it and you feel like I'm going to die of thirst. Have you ever felt your soul was thirsty for more? You needed more than what you were experiencing. My friends, this is why David recommends the people of God. It is there where we experience the refreshing just like Israel experienced refreshing from the dew of Mount Hermon, when we gather together, we are refreshed. God brings life and vitality to us. So don't separate yourself from the people of God. We shouldn't all be people who just like the same preacher or the same music. We should be family. And when we're together as family, we experience the blessing that comes along with being a part of the people of God, experiencing the blessing of his anointing as we're set aside for his special mission and his special work. So this is what I want to encourage you with, my friends, and this is why we need to give praise to our great God. Can you stand with me today and give God praise in this place again with me? Amen. We're going to uh, sing. But after we sing, Pastor EJ is going to come up and he's going to remind you again of the importance of life groups. And some of you may see that it's just an announcement. We don't want to just fill your life up with busy things. We want you to experience the blessing. Again, by the show of hands, how many want to bless life? How many want to bless life? When I've showed you how to get it, join and be a part of the family of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reminder that we are yours and you are ours. Thank you that we don't have to be alone that we can be a part of spiritual family. May we live up, the Lord, to this song. And may we, as your people, be a sweet aroma to you and to a watching world until all have heard, until Christ returns. And all God's people said a big amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.